Hey listeners, producer Mark here. Just a quick heads up. Today's episode, the audio is not up to quite our usual world-class audio standards. We were recording an episode live with Matt and Dave in the same room. We were messing around with a new microphone, and there are some places where Matt's audio comes through just a little bit, almost like he's a little farther off mic or a little bit more towards the back of the room. Still a really quality episode, still really a lot of fun, but I just wanted to give you a warning going in that we know things are a little off. We'll have it back for you by next week, we promise. Thanks. Enjoy the greatest show on earth. Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 23 of A View to a Cocker Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show, we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt Che, with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Uh, not bad, man. It's always a little bit, we're doing a live episode, a live episode. We're doing an episode where we're both in the same room. Yeah, live today. Today. And it's... Like, it's always a tiny bit weird. Not that, like, I don't see you. We see each other really frequently. Like, we live in the same city. We hang out. Right. Just doing this, looking at your face. Well, also, because when we do them live, we're literally sitting across the desk from each other, both talking into the same microphone. So I'm literally staring you in the face the entire yeah, time we're Yeah, it's a this. little bit... It's uncomfortable. Like, I find myself, I'm looking away. Like, I'm just looking for other things in the room to look at. I'm just looking at the microphone. Right. Because otherwise, it's just like an hour of, like, staring into your eyes. Uh, Which, like, we're brothers, and you have nice eyes, but it's weirdly intimate, and I don't like it. (laughs) But no, I'm good, man. I'm good. Well, speaking of things that you do like, Dave, uh, today we are watching, um, as always, a brand new, well, not new, this is, it's like 20 years old, but new to us, <laughs> episode of Ninja Sentai Cock Ranger, episode 23. This episode is called Blitzkrieg, the Strange White Bird. Oh, Blit, Blitzkrieg? It's, something comes suddenly to attack. Okay. Blitzkrieg, Gr- the Strange White Bird. Right on, Cock Ranger. The Strange White Bird is attacking suddenly, like lightning. Like, yup. I'm just going to trust the death. Justice, Dave. Like lightning. Going to not be weird. Like the Thunderbolts, remember? The Thunderbolts were great. Uh, they were just yes, like lightning. they were great. You know what's not great anymore, Matt? You know what's like actually, in fact, really awful right now? The Thunderbolts? It's the Thunderbolts. Oh, have I, you... been, I have not been reading the Thunderbolts. Oh, yeah, dude. I've been catching up on it on Marvel Unlimited. It is garbage. That is a shame because the it's... Thunderbolts was great. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's super, super bad. I got nothing about that. It's just terrible. Like, I got a couple of issues in, and I was just like, why am I? This is just bad. Like, the dude who's doing the art is like, I can't remember his name. Well, that's just as well. We don't need to be yeah. playing some dude on blast. Um, it's not It's not good, though. Um, okay, before we get into the five stars, which I promise we will very shortly, we're talking about the Thunderbolts. Can I just say how much I love Citizen V's costume? And I'm yeah, sad it was amazing. That there's not, like, a current iteration of Citizen V running around. Because that is a good look. It's a cool look. Look him up sometimes. His face is a V and he's got a sword and like a big cape. It's, it's, I mean, it was Baron Zemo underneath. So like, that's not great. Yeah, but he's like, a the costume bad dude. Awesome. Um, anyway, back to the aforementioned five stars. Dave, what is our first star of the week? So this is actually some news we've been sitting on for a while. And it's, it's really, it's, it's cool. It doesn't impact the show a whole lot. But Mark, producer Mark and his uh, wife and daughter have moved to Cleveland. And yes. Mark is actually in on the couch right now listening to us do this because... Welcome, Mark. Hey. Uh, because they're living with us for a little while while they are getting the rest of their situation sorted out. But, yeah, so it's just, like, it's super cool that it's like so one of my best friends is now living in Cleveland, and that's a cool thing. So yeah. welcome to Cleveland, uh, producer Mark and family. And if you thought the Super Sentai brothers were coming at you hard... When the team was split up amongst two different states. Now they're all in the same city. You just wait. Right. Just living in God's country. (laughs) 
Anyway, uh, that's that, those are the station notes for the the greatest show on earth, Dave. What is our second star of the week? Okay, so I just started watching a new. Why well, by just started? I mean, I binge watched the entire season sure. of right because uh, that's, that's, that's how TV works. That's now. how TV works now. Of sci-fi's The Magicians. Oh, okay. This is based on a book series. It right? is book based on a book series by Lev Grossman. Mm-hmm. I think the guy's name is, and I I haven't read the books. Nor have I, because I just haven't read them. But I did see. I, I, you know, so we started, we watched this whole thing, and it's now in its second season on Sci-Fi. Okay. But the episodes are available on Amazon Prime, but the whole first season is on Netflix. Gotcha. So here is the premise of The Magicians. It is, it is uh, American grad school Harry Potter. Okay. But Narnia is real. Okay. But also other stuff like ah yeah so basically other stuff you say so there's okay so there's magic school right okay and but magic school it's called break bills magic school is graduate school okay like you don't go there like first thing out all right and theoretically like you most people are like raised in magic families but like you don't have to be and you go to grad there's like an entrance exam and you go to grad school and but it's so it's like Harry Potter in that regard. They're like taking magic classes and like blah, 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 blah. But the magic, first of all, is a lot more kind of Doctor Strangey. It's like a bunch of like cool hand sigils instead of like wands. Okay. And the language is not like goofy made up Latin. So that's great. And then it's, there's a concept that it's like very international because like people are doing spells from like all over the place. But also... It's not Narnia, but like it's very obviously Narnia, and the Chronicles of Narn- Chronicle of Narnia series is like real, okay, and like characters and monsters like from the books. The place is called Fillory, is like Narnia, okay, are like part of the story, and they like are doing stuff like as it relates to Fillory. It's like it's super super crazy, and so you there's like magicians and they are like training but there's also like hedge witches who are people who are like learning magic but are not part of like the classic formalized system of education right but then there's also clearly like some people are definitely doing like awakened level magic and when you say awakened level magic, I know what you mean. Oh yeah sorry uh like fifteen years of their life playing Mage the Ascension. Um there's it, it's just like magic that exists on a like a higher, deeper conceptual level than like doing spells. R- yeah, like work? yeah, exactly. Okay. Like some people are like reciting spells to make things happen, and some people are just sort of like imposing their will on the universe freeform. And it's not clear like where the breakdown is, but like the acting is great, and the characters are really interesting, and like the magic is very cool. Uh, it's just like, it's just rad, dude. It's That's like, awesome. it's Harry Potter, but it's cool. And I love Harry Potter. Like, let me be clear. Sorry. I like Harry Potter a sure. whole, whole bunch. Harry Potter is very good. Harry Potter is great. It's not like cool, though. You yeah. see what I'm saying? No, I see what you're saying. You know, I had uh, I had avoided this TV series and the books it's based on because the people I had talked to who were excited for those books before it came out, were ultimately disappointed by them. Oh. Um, and so well, I wonder if this is one of those things that I should just skip the books and watch the TV show. I don't know. The TV show is killer. I will say in the very last episode, in like the last 10 minutes, things get uh, real, real graphic and very uncomfortable. Like, okay. uncomfortable enough that there's just like, here's a national hotline you can call if something like what you just saw ever happened to you. Okay. So that was a moment that I didn't see uh, coming, and that wasn't cool, and I was glad that it was just me and my wife watching it, <laughs> because if I had been watching it with, like, our parents, that would have been a bad moment. Okay. That is a valuable piece of information to yep. keep in mind. Yep. Not a show for children, but it is a super, super cool show. So that's our first story of the week, Matt. What 
Second star of the week. What's our third star of the week? Third star of the week, Dave, is the other day, I was, uh, it was on Friday night, and I had gone out to this monthly event called Third Friday at this place near me, 78th Street Studios. It's like this big thing that's full of art gallery studios. Everybody that sounds right. up, there's like a big party every month. You, you know, people are going through gallery spaces, there's wine, there's, you know. It's yeah, a whole, that sounds, it's very right. cool. That sounds if super never, cool. If, you're, if you live in this area and you've never gone, you should check it out sometime. Um... But I had intended on staying longer, but the people I had gone with, sort of like an hour and a half in, they were like, ah, we're, we're going to head out. So I ended up just going home. And getting home at 8.30 on a Friday night, I have determined is like the worst time to get home of like any time in the week. Because if I had gotten home earlier, say like 7.30, 8 o'clock, I'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, well... There's still plenty of evening left. I can go do something else. Yeah, like you can head back out. Right, and if I had gotten home at 9.30, I would have been like, well, that's fine. Evening's basically over. I can, like, you know, watch uh, Watch some TV, TV and show head to bed. and then go to bed. But getting home at 8.30 is, like, the exact wrong time to get home. Right, because unless you're going to commit to staying out, like, late, late... Right. That's it. Like, if you go out at 8.30... At that point, you've got sunk cost. You're not coming home before, like, 2 in the morning. Exactly. And I didn't want to deal with that. So right. I thought, well, instead of spending the money on going back out, I'm just going to treat myself. I'm going to order some food. And it used to be, if I wanted to order food, I'd either get pizza or I'd get Chinese, because that's your options, right. right, for delivery food. But now, with all of these new, like, Uber Eats and Skip the Dishes and, like, delivery me food and yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. bring you food from anywhere... By the time I decided what I wanted to eat, it was fully 9 o'clock. Matt, I have bad news for you. What's that? If it took you that long, you can never, you you might not be able to get married. <laughs> You'll never be able to eat. Like, if by yourself it took you half an hour to decide, like, you, you're in trouble. Well, okay, I'll, I'll bear that. Those <laughs> grim tidings in mind, Dave. I just, um, I'm looking out for you, man. So, but by the time I finally decided what I wanted to eat, it was 9 o'clock and I ordered a large serving of pho. Because at this point, I know that it's not coming for a while and I haven't had dinner yet and it's already 9. So you're like... So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know... I'm gonna eat. You know, throw an extra buck. I, you know, supersize the pho. Right. But the problem with pho is that I wasn't thinking about this, but there's always too much pho. Yeah. Like, pho is almost universally delicious and almost universally too big. Yeah, it's just, there's a lot of it always. So, also a weird option for delivery. Well, it comes in pieces and you sort of put it together. It's actually a very fun option for delivery. Okay, alright. If you've never had the uh, the delight of doing so. So, 10 o'clock rolls around. Someone knocks on my door, delivers me a bag full of components for fun. <laughs> and I'm, I take them to the kitchen and I pull out the various, like... Tubs and containers. Yeah, and, it's like noodles and broth and cilantro yeah, and jalapenos. And, and like four kinds of meat and right. bean sprouts. And I'm looking at them all and I realize that I don't have like a bowl that is large enough for this volume of soup. <laughs> and so I ended up like scouring through my like kitchen cabinets and I find a mixing bowl for like putting together like cake batter. Uh-huh. And so I just... Dump it all in there, like put on all like the various sauces the stuff, and stuff, right? And I get to eating it, and I take the first few bites. I'm like, "This is excellent. I'm very excited." <laughs> and then I look at the clock, and I realize it's ten o'clock. <laughs> I have just sit down to a like mixing bowl size serving of spicy beef soup, and that's gonna be the rest of my night. That's it. Because like, if you eat a bunch of pho, it dinner time, like, you might get a little groggy from that much food, but then you recover. Yeah. If you eat a gallon of soup (laughs) and you finish at, like, 10.45 p.m., what you've just done is you've decided, okay, here's the last thing I'm going to do before I go to sleep. (laughs) And then wake up a bunch of times to use the bathroom. (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm not going to say I regret it. It was a lovely dining experience. However, just a lot of broth. Next time, hopefully, I will come to my conclusion a little earlier so I can, you know, yeah, ease yeah, yeah. into the gentle arms of Morpheus. Right. Where'd you get it from? Not Superior Pho. No, Superior wasn't delivering at that time of night. It was it was that place that's like across the street from Superior Pho. Like oh. Number one Pho, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they any good? They're, they're not Superior. They're not but... as... <laughs> 
I would call them number two plot. Actually, I'd call them number three plot because Minon is better than Death. But it was yeah, Minon is really good. Anyway, that's a long time to get through a fairly simple story. But uh, that was my night. So, Matt, what uh, is our fourth star of the week? Fourth star of the week is uh, the next day I had a different adventure. Yeah, you sure did. So it was, um, it was on Saturday. And Saturday in Cleveland in the middle of February was... Inde- it was like 70 degrees. It was indefensibly warm. Yeah. And so I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out for a nice long walk. And so I don't want to grab my my car keys and stuff. So instead of doing that, I reach into my like bowl of extraneous keys. Right. I grab the sort of loose house key I've got. And I have a, a system for making sure I don't lock myself out of my house, which is that I always make sure I've got the key with me. So I open my front door. I lock the handle, and then I put the key into the deadbolt, and then I close the door, and then I turn the key closed. So it's like, I've got a rhythm, right. right? There's like a, yes. So I do that. I open the door. I lock the door handle. I put the key in the deadbolt. I close the door. I go to turn the key in the deadbolt, and the key does not turn, because I have grabbed the wrong key. Oh. And so... My my old roommate used to have a spare key to my place. He now lives in Austin. Yep. Um, I had given a spare key to, I think, every member of my family. But I don't know if you know where the spare key that I gave you is. And all of the rest of our family is currently living in Sweden. Yes, they are. Um, and so eventually, I had to, like... I was calling my landlord, and, like, eventually what had to happen is I got one of the other people who live in my building. Because uh, I live in one of those apartment buildings that's, like, four units with, like, porches in the front, like, two upstairs, two downstairs, one of those deals. Yeah. Um, so, like, it's a building, but it's not, like, an apartment building, if that yes. makes any sense. So I got him to, like, get me into, like the like, the back area where, like, I did have a back door that was locked, but, like... There's sort of like a rear window that leads into my place that like was mostly locked, but like through a series of actions that we took, it became no longer locked. Mm. Um, but it was just like, and then I, then I went out for my walk afterwards and felt wonderful. But it was this real moment of like, oh boy, oh this, yeah, I, I was I was planning on having a really lovely afternoon, and it took a radical turn. Yeah, well, it's, you know, things did not turn out that badly, and you did it fast enough that Beth did not have to drive out to get you your keys. Because there is a key, yeah, which was, she was also, let me tell you, she was thrilled about it. (laughs) I can imagine. Uh, So, Dave, what is our fifth and final star of the week? Well, the fifth and final star of the week is that the reason that I could not immediately come out and drop your key off to you when you called me to tell me you had locked yourself out of your house is that I was... Like, I was down at the church building, we were just doing some work, and somebody rented. This is not a funny thing. This is just me being, like, old man excited. Sure. Somebody had Listen, rented... There, there are there are two main pillars upon which this show rests. One is us trying to be funny, and the other is us being excited about things like old man. Yeah. So somebody had rented a rug shampooer? Oh, like, yeah. one of those heavy-duty things? Sure. Yeah. And I was about to say walk behind, but you don't walk behind it. You walk in front of it because you have to drag it backwards. Mm-hmm. But this thing, dude, like obviously this is like a high traffic area. And I don't know that anybody had shampooed this rug in like the 10 years since it had been installed. Mm-hmm. But you literally can see the di- You can see the spot oh, yeah. where it is shampooed. It's insane. Oh, I mean, Dave, you you were telling me this as though you have forgotten that I was, for a very brief period, a professional carpet shampooer. Well, Matt, there's a very good reason I'm telling you this, as though I had forgotten it. Had you forgotten it? I had completely forgotten it. You were a rug shampooer? Okay, so I wasn't exactly a rug shampooer. I was a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. Is this, Matt, before or after you were a raccoon exterminator and then a clown? Um, it was after being a clown. It was actually also after the raccoon gig, but that wasn't an extermination gig. I, I have never been a raccoon exterminator. Okay. I one time worked for a a pest trapping live. Uh, it was a live trapping organization that also contracted out like repair work. 
And okay. so I spent a week in the attic of a cat shelter replacing their attic's insulation. Right. So this was that was before I was a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman. And the gig with being a door-to-door vacuum cleaner salesman, with the curvy vacuum cleaners particularly, is that the curvy vacuum cleaners are also carpet shampooers. Yes. So your foot in the door is if you listen to me talk to you about this machine. Machine. This it's it's more of a, a system, Dave. It's it's it's, it's a it's a life changing cleanliness system that's built around the powerful engine of the Kirby vacuum cleaner. Now, listen, um, Kirby makes a fine vacuum. I don't want to. Do, I can't actually. take that away from them. Um, but what you would do is you say, "I will shampoo the rug in one of the rooms of your house." Okay. As sort of a demonstration of the unit, I sold like two of them. One of them to our mother, and one of them to like a friend of ours mom. Yeah. Um, those are the two I only ever sell. But I shampooed a lot of rugs in those two weeks. <laughs> and so yeah, you're right. It does. Like, you don't think that it's going to make that big of a difference. It, it makes, makes a, a huge difference. It is a, yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, I was calling people over. I was just like, <laughs> people are like, Dave, how's it going? I'm like, you will not, literally, you won't believe it. Just come over here. People will be like, oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. This is insane. So, I don't know how much those things cost to rent, but it was totally worth it. Right on. Okay, so, uh, that is it for our five stars. We are going to take a break. We are going to watch... Episode 23 of Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger, Blitzkrieg, The Strange White Bird, and we will be right back. Ninja, ninja! Welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 23 of Ninja Sentai Cocker Ranger, Blitzkrieg, A Strange White Bird. Dave, I loved this episode. Dude, there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on in this episode, but I the... What I really dig about this episode is that it really feels like things are picking up. Like, we are really getting, like, things are happening and, like, monsters are appearing and plots are being laid. And, like, we're finally getting the really full picture as to, like, just what the... What is happening with right. this show? We will we will revisit this particular conversation at the end of the episode um, once we've had a chance to go over all the actual events. Yeah. But just so that you guys know, this if you are going to put together like a list of episodes to watch or episodes to skip of Cocky Ranger, like if you didn't want to watch all of them and only wanted to see the important ones, don't skip this one. Yeah, you gotta see this one. You almost could skip from, like, the first episode. If you got, like, this one, the first episode with Young Noble Jr., and then this one. You would almost... I think you would be okay if you were watching Mm -hmm. by yourself. But... So speaking of Young Noble Jr., actually, here's how this episode yeah. starts out. This is how you know it's going to be a good episode, because it starts with Young Noble Jr. playing the piano. Yes. Uh, is he the best character in this show? Yeah. Yes. I mean, obviously. Okay. Just, I wasn't sure if we had decided that, but it's good to know that we have that down. So, Young Noble Jr., he is at his piano playing so much feeling. Oh, so much feeling. So much passion <laughs> for this. So, yeah. So, he's playing, and then... I just love, first of all, I love how eclectic Young Noble Junior States and Music are. Dude just loves music. Yeah. You know, I, here's, what, here's the feeling that I get from Young Noble Junior. Is that Young Noble Junior was raised having to take piano lessons every day. Mm. And then, like, when he hit Evil High School, he decided that he didn't want to play the piano anymore and he picked up the electric guitar. But, but when he still is at home by himself and needs to express himself... He loves it. He loves the piano. Yeah. It's just not what he does, like, for shows. Exactly. So, he hears someone calling him. And it's not clear to us whether it's, like, a vo- like an audible voice or a voice in his head. It doesn't really matter. But the what the voice says is, How long will you make me wait? Bring me to the ground. Let me rule this world with my own two hands. I th- yeah. Is that the last line, right? And we find out who it is. Yes. So it is who I can a person who I can only assume is Young Noble Senior. I, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so he is the guy that we have not seen since episode one of Cocky Ranger. It's yeah, we, we he's in the dark and we don't totally know that it's him, but we're pretty sure it's Serpentor from episode one. Right. We find out his name. It's Daimau. 
Yes. I, I, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrect. It's D-A-I-M-A-O-U. Daimao. Yeah. So, he is... We don't know exactly what it is, but we know that he is still trapped behind the seal door that the original rangers from, like, the... I was about to say Warring States period. The Shogunate era, mm-hmm. like, trapped him behind. Yes. So when everybody else got out at the beginning of this series, he is still trapped in there. Maybe because he was on, like, you know, he was, like, like double trapped. Double secret lockdown. Yeah. Like, we don't know. But whatever it is, like, he is where the Rangers have sealed him, even though everybody else is out. So we go from there to happy birthday. To happy birthday party for Tsurime. It's her birthday. We're all very happy for her. Hooray! So, I do just listen. Someday, we will finish peeling the layers of the onion that is Sasuke's outfit. But today is not that day, Matt. (laughs) Because what I noticed... Like, every episode is its own gift. And what I noticed this time is that his second pair of pants... His second pair of, like, denim skirt that he wears over his original pants, right... They aren't actually at his waist. They sit slightly, slightly below. So you can see that he is wearing... Like, he has a belt on. Uh-huh. On shorts. On the primary shorts. And then, like, the secondary shorts just sit just below that. So you can see Wait, the belt. Wait, so are you, are you telling me that the belt is on his sub shorts his under like his bike shorts that he's wearing under his denim shorts are the shorts that have the belt they well yes i mean they are clearly designed for a belt they have belt loops and everything okay because that's crazy because what you're telling me right now is that he has his shirt tucked in to his bike shorts and then he has a denim half skirt floating in the vicinity of this outfit. Okay, I think what's actually happening, Matt, because if you look underneath like the weird denim skirt, those are bike shorts. Yes. But if you look at his waist, his primary shorts appear to also be jean shorts. So I think what's going on is that he is wearing <laughs> bike shorts over which he is wearing like denim kind of short shorts and with a belt. And then over that, sitting slightly below the belt, a, like, weird denim skort situation. Okay, okay. And then... And then there's just, like, the whole rest of his outfit. Which, but, which at this point, has chilled out. And it's just, like, a red tie-dyed shirt and a red bandana. Yes, and a choker. And a choker. Please never forget that choker. Yeah, so he's just <laughs> doing that. So they're all, like, they're singing... My notes just, sorry, my notes just say, second pair of pants under belt. Sasuke, what even? So anyway, Tsuruhime says, she she turns away and she like, is crying for a second. They're like, Tsuruhime, what's, happy birthday. They don't understand. And what, what she says is, and this is actually a really nice moment. She says, I never thought that like we as a group would actually be this close. Because in the beginning, when we all came together to start this fight against the yokai, we weren't really getting along. And also, we were just together because we are all of the descendants. I mean, she's not saying all of this in detail. Yeah, this is the... What she's kind of getting at is like, you know, we weren't friends when we all got together. This was a mission that we were all on and we're all sort of together and we didn't get along. And now that we're like 23 episodes in, and I, I think it's like Seikai cuts in. Yeah, like, he says. Yes, now we're all basically family. And it was yeah, really nice. Great. Because I love it when the, like, the Sentai teams are friends and it did take a while for this group to start getting on together. So it's the recognition of that I thought was really nice. Yeah, that was a, that was a cool moment. It's not it's not like a guy Ryu. Well, no, you know, what I, mean? I mean that was that was special, Dave. Yeah, man, dude, it was special. Yeah. I still feel like I still get a little choked up about it sometimes. Like the friendship of the characters in this show at this point is not enough to like make me cry while talking about it. Whereas Guy and Ryu kind of was. A little bit. Yeah. At the end. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And then, oh man, when he comes back, he's like a ghost. Damn. Listen, all I want to do is continue talking about Guy. But we've got amazing things to talk about in this season, in this episode, right now. Have we mentioned, by the way, that this birthday party is happening 
basically in a parking lot next to a pier just by the water. Yeah, well, that they're ninjas. And they don't <laughs> have a place that they call home. This is like a, you know, this is the thing. They are accustomed to this. Right. Where do they keep the furniture that they always put outside of uh, Nekamaru? Maybe it's folding furniture. Maybe Nekamaru has, like... Listen, they can summon motorcycles out of thin air using ninja magic. Point I taken. they can grab a folding nope, chair. I'm good. I'm good. That's all the explanation <laughs> I needed. So, what, so she, what she does is she turns around and she gives them some... Friendship bracelets. She calls them promise rings for some reason, but they're I've, friendship bracelets. I have heard that referred to in another show. I think maybe there was a promise ring thing in an episode of Sailor Moon, maybe? Or, like, some anime. Anyway, okay, but the promise ring is a thing. Yeah, but you and I would all recognize them as friendship bracelets. Right, if you ever went to camp, that's what these are. Yeah, so she gives them to everybody, and the guys are a little like, Huh? She's like, no, it's because we're friends. And they're like, uh, yeah, sure. So, like, they put their bracelets on. Sasuke is, like, overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah, he does not know how to process his feelings. That's true. Um, So they all, like, put the bracelets on. And then as they're doing this, these two little children run up. One of them is carrying... It's a a brother and sister. Yep. The sister is carrying, like, a bunch of flowers. And the brother is carrying, I don't know, like, a box of chocolates. Yeah, something. something like that. I forget. And they run up, like, calling for Tsuruhime. Like, how do the rangers know this many kids? They just know a new set of children every like, episode. every friggin' week. And there's never any explanation. Guys, this is, I mean, like, big surprise. But there's never any explanation as to, like, where these children come from. Right. They just know Tsuruhime. And when this would have happened in... Because this would happen in other shows, too. Like, this happened in Die Ranger. Remember when um, Shoji just knew some kid... And, like, when he was off at, like, his boxing training camp, the kid would hang out with him. That made sense, though, because that's where Shoji was from. Right. He lived in the area. These guys are literally, like... Ninja nomads. Yeah, they live in a food truck, and they go from town to town. How do they know there's many kids? (laughs) But these kids show up, and they're like, Surihime, Surihime, we wanted, like, happy birthday. We wanted to come and, like, give you stuff. And... The other rangers also seem confused as to where these kids are coming from. Like, because they don't recognize them. Right. And Tsuruhime says, oh, these are, like, friends of mine. And it's actually from them that I got the idea for these friendship bracelets. Because, like, they fight all the time, but their dad's traveling. And they wore the friendship bracelets to promise their dad that they wouldn't fight while he was gone. Yeah. Great. Rangers say, like, come over, have some cake. Everybody's excited. They say, Seikai can't have any cake. Seikai is shocked and appalled, and everyone says, no, 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 we're just kidding. We're just kidding. Which is like a brief moment, but I do like that it was Seikai that they singled out for that, because Seikai loves food so, so much. So much. And so they all go over to do this, and then there's an explosion in the water. Yes. And then a blue fireball launches out of it. Sure. And Umibozu, who is the mo- this week's sort of primary fighty monster... Kidnaps the boy. Right. At, at this point, all we've seen is the the fire the blue fireball comes out of the water, flies over to where the rangers and the children are. It flies away. The boy is gone. Yeah. And then it the fireball lands on a roof. The boy is there, and Umibozu is there, and Umibozu he's got kind of a weird look. Um, he's like blue. He's like a big dude. It's like a hefty boy. Yeah. And he's got like. He has like, some, like, genie pants on? Yeah, like, some genie pants. But then he's got, like, some naval insignias. And then, like, a helmet, I think. No, he doesn't have a helmet. He has, like, pauldrons on his shoulders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But those are shaped to look like underwater mines. Oh, yeah, of course they are. I was yeah. trying to figure out what that was. Which actually was pretty cool. And one of them just says, like, navy on it. Okay, like, yeah. Like, his body is constituted from, like, the ocean and the things that are in the ocean. So Umibozu so like, is cool. It's like a it's like a powerful shipwreck ocean storm yokai. Yeah, I like I had to look it up because so, there's never an explanation. It's just like he's an ocean yokai. But yeah, literally when the the narrator shows up to tell you who this guy is, he says he is a powerful yokai who lives in the ocean, and that's all we get. But that actually is basically it. Except also he likes to sink ships. So we don't know exactly what's going on yet, but. 
literally like two seconds after Umibozu and, and Ryota is the boy's name. Ryota show up on the roof. Like the Rangers are there. Like they right. immediately knew where he was and Ninja teleported. So they're all up on the roof. And we see Ryota starting to turn to stone. Yes. I'm, I'm, listen, sometimes a little boy has to turn into stone. Okay. And so they're looking at him as like his feet... It's sort of like traveling up his body. Yeah. It's not like a great special effect, but it's It's okay. not. Uh, also, the worst possible way you could turn to stone, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah, pretty much anything like that. I feel like you don't want to start... Like, the most ho- existentially horrifying version of that is the one that starts from the feet up. Yeah. So, listen, I, I agree. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So then Umibozu does that to a bunch of other kids yeah, too. Yeah, like they're on. So the Rangers are on the rooftop watching this happen to Ryota, and they look across to the other rooftops, and Umibozu is like landing on these rooftops, dropping off children, and then all of those children turn into stone as they are like shrieking. Right, but Which then makes they, sense. They can also like call out from the stone. It's not exactly clear like how how conscious their torment is. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty conscious. It seems, it seems pretty conscious. Because what happens is, once they turn entirely into stone, the stone sort of turns into like a stone cocoon. Yeah. And then their image is sort of sometimes like superimposed on top of it, and you can see them like calling out. Yeah, the just pleading desperately and futilely for help. Yeah, like you do. I mean, I would. Awesome. If I was stuck in a stone cocoon. Yep. Yep, captured yep, yep. by an, an, an ancient evil shipwreck monster. Yeah, thank you so much for that, anyway, Ninja Sentai Cocky Ranger. The good news, Dave, is that nothing else weird is going to happen with these kids. Hey, that's not true at all. Oh, yeah, that's right. All of a sudden, red lightning comes from the sky, uses the points of these children on the rooftops to form a red lightning pentagram that all strikes the center of the city, which turns the top of one building into a giant skull head, like, full-on, like... Like, He-Man-style skull castle... It's, you know, it's half He-Man, half the building at the end of Ghostbusters, where, like, the penthouse is all of a sudden just, like, an evil magic thing. Yeah, it's a skull that doesn't have any flesh on it, but also somehow is screaming. Yeah. It's, yeah. So... it's a good look. It's, it's ominous, that's for certain. So this is now Young Noble Jr.'s new skull headquarters slash... Slash Party Central. Party Central Club on top of this building. And what he says is so we, we flash up, we see Young Noble Jr. up Young there. Young Noble Jr. has a black rose in his teeth when the camera finds him. I forgot about that, and I'm he so takes glad it out you reminded very me. Very shortly after, but like as the camera pans to Young Noble Jr., he has a I mean it's just like a painted black thing, but it is a black flower in his teeth, like, yes. Now it is time. So <laughs> what it's time for is to revive Daimau. Daimau? Da- I'm good, like... We're trying our best here, yeah. guys. And so what he says there's is... a lot of vowels, and that's not my primary language. And so he says there's a ritual to bring him back. I call this ritual Young Noble Jr. on stage. And then we go into a full musical act. Like, it is, it is not cutting away back and forth. There is choreography, there is a full band, there is a room of people dancing, there is a song that Young Noble Jr. sings all of, which we have written down the lyrics to oh, yeah. for you. There are um, Doro Doros who are dressed in like headbands and leather jackets who are playing like the drums and the guitar. And you can see, because listen, when Young Noble Jr. is playing the guitar, he's just messing around on his prop. When they cut to images of these Dorodoros playing the guitar, you can tell that these dudes play guitar. Yeah, they absolutely know what they're doing. I don't play guitar, so I might be wrong, but it it was convincing. And so he's got definitely like a Billy Idol thing going on. He's doing like like a pumpy fist move. Oh yeah. There is, by the way, there is a group in Japan, or was, that I have heard referenced. Um, uh, Past guest friend of the show, Shannon Maynard, mentions it from time to time, called Japan X, I think. And basically, everybody in this band looks like Young Noble Jr. Amazing. So here are the... Just hear the lyrics to the song. Ready? Living in a complacent world. Lots of excess and useless things. Now it's time to change to a new ruler. Don't you think so? In the name of justice, Kaku Rangers have had their way. 
getting sick of it. We've had enough. Listen, my fellows who are hiding in the darkness. Come on, it's time to rise and take back your freedom. Gashadokuro, mystic guy, the evil flower, the black junior. Gashadokuro, if we gaze with our eyes, everything will turn to skulls. Everything will turn to skulls. And as he is singing this final line, he's like hand is clenched above his head and like I, I can't even properly describe the pure beauty of watching him do this you need to see this episode guys and so we find out that Gasha Dokuro is the type of yokai that young noble jr is and literally the only information on that we have from the episode is that Gasha Dokuro is super evil and wants to kill everyone so Gasha Dokuro I've looked this up before is a, like, giant hungry skeleton. Oh, yeah. You should do a Google image search. It's real creepy. Yeah, it's like a 20-foot-tall skeleton that just, like, grabs people and eats them. Nice. Um, it is horrifying. And I think they made, like, a puppet version of it in... Was that, like, the, one of the things in Kobo and the Two Strings? Yes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally was. Yeah, I... Yeah, like, in I didn't know when I was watching, but, like, in retrospect, yeah, that's definitely what that is supposed to be. Yeah, so if you've seen that movie, that is what that yokai is. I mean, listen. Oh! So, Matt, the Gashadokuro are spirits that take the form of giant skeletons and are 15 times taller than an average person. 15 times taller, not yeah. 15 feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who are said to be created from the amassed bones of people who died of starvation. Sure. That's yeah, why the, they're so hungry. Yeah, these yokai roam after midnight, grabbing lone travelers and biting off their heads to drink their spraying blood. There is a tell sign as the victim would hear the sound of loud ringing in the ear. The Gashadokuro are said to possess the powers of invisibility and indestructibility. Pretty good powers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what Young Noble Jr. is. So when we see his, like, skeleton soldier form, that's why he looks that way. Okay, just listen. Sorry. Wikipedia. Are we still on this? Yeah, real, just very briefly, quickly, Wikipedia. In pop culture, they're talking about the Gasha Dokuro. In Ninja Sentai Conquer Ranger, Gasha Dokuro is one of the main villains, yes, who is described as cold, calm, ruthless, and calculating. Guys. Guys. Cold? Cold? Calm? Calm? No, he's, he's got the hot passion of fiery rock and roll. I was going to say, through his that's completely veins. wrong. Anyways, I just, I just felt like you should know that Wikipedia is wrong about that. So that's the song. <laughs> and we go down to the narrator and the crowd, like, this is great because the crowd is freaking out because obviously like giant skull, lightning. And then the narrator is just there and he's like, what's going on? Yeah, the narrator is on the street in the crowd. So we go back up to the rangers. Rangers are furious. They are about to, like, go do something about this, whatever it is that they plan to do. But they are attacked by Umibozu with fire breath. Why this aquatic monster has fire yeah. breath? Who cares? Although he does throw some of those exploding mines at them. Which is pretty great. So Umibozu explains, like... He monologues for a second and he says, here's the deal. Like, we need to get Daimo back. And then, so like, I had to take these kids and turn them to stone so they could do the thing. So Young Noble Jr. could do the ritual to bring Daimo back out of the sealed door. That's the plan. And I need to stop you from getting there and stopping the ritual. And then he says that Young Noble Jr. hired him to do this. What? He hired you? Isn't he, like, your weird demon prince? Why does he have to pay you? Man, I don't know. Like, the other... There are yokai, like, in prison that have to be, like, let out and convinced. So maybe Umibozu just has to get paid. I don't friggin' know. So he then explains, Umibozu does, that not only have these children turned to stone, but every child who hears the music of Young Noble Jr. will turn to stone. And then when Daimo reappears... All of these excess children will be, like, offered up to him as, like, a sacrifice or something. Yeah. So, you know, bad. Yeah, that's... Um, Sunakime declares that this is unexcusable. Yep. Um, unexcusable or unforgivable? She says unexcusable, which I wrote down, because so often it's unforgivable. It's a... <laughs> and I was just happy to see them branching out. Um, they all transform, and they begin to fight. The problem is that Umibozu 
is tough. Yeah, super tough. So they hit him with their swords, bounces off. Shuriken, same thing. Like, they just don't have anything that's working. And so he pulls out, like, an anchor that he hits them with. But then the anchor turns into a sword that he's hitting them with. Yes. And then... Of course. Right. And Reasonable. Then, yeah. Sasuke does pull out Red Slicer. Mm-hmm. And he hits him with Red Slicer. And that, like, staggers him a little bit. And he hits him with another, like, flaming circle move. Right. And that knocks Umibozu on his heels. Right. But so, it's like, not enough to, like... Right. So Umibozu is tough enough that, like, the standard attacks aren't doing anything. But when they're bringing out, like, their low-tier finishing moves, that is enough to at least get him to say, like, okay... Now I'm not... I'm going to start taking this fight seriously. Which means I'm going to start taking this fight giant. Yeah. So So he he just... This, I think, is actually the first time we've ever seen this. He doesn't wait to get beaten. Yeah. Before he goes giant. He just like... It's like, alright, well, let's fight then. Giantism. Yeah. So he goes giant. They summon Mateki Shogun. Umi Bozu actually gets in a couple of shots on Mateki Shogun... Before Muteki Shogun summons Flaming Sword. Right. And then Muteki Shogun, of course, summons the Flaming Sword. It immediately kills Umibozu, and the episode is over. Matt is lying. I, I am lying to you. That is not what happens at all. What happens is amazing. Umibozu just straight, like, one hand catches the Flaming Sword. And says to them, like, did you honestly think an attack like that was going to defeat me? Like, What? And then we go to commercial break. It's a really great commercial break moment. Because as we've been saying for 22 episodes, Muteki Shogun is totally overpowered. Like, as soon as he shows up, he swings the sword, everything dies, end of episode. Yeah, in a, in a way that is, to, like, because that's always how it works, right? Like, the Mega Zord, whatever you call it, right. has, like, a super-powered sword, and, like, that's always the finishing move. But usually, like, there's a fight for a second, and then they pull it out. Muteki Shogun does not do this. Yeah, Muteki Shogun has never bothered to fight before. He just shows up and murders the thing. And so, we've been saying, and we were right, that when someone finally showed up on whom that attack would not work, it would be very shocking. And it is. Like, you do not expect it happening. And so, he, like, catches the sword. We're back from break. Young Noble Jr., we go back up to Young Noble Jr., who is just rocking out so hard. As hard as he can. And as he hard can as possible. Very hard. Really super hard. That's like his whole thing. And then he rocks hard, and this activates like black lasers to shoot out of the eyes of the giant skull thing on yes, top of the does. building. So it like blasts the back of Mateki Shogun. Mateki Shogun goes down. Well, what's weird is that, okay, he doesn't actually fall. He just. He, he fades away because as this is happening, the Kaku Rangers are saying, Oh, our like ninja Gatai. Our, yeah. yeah, our ninja Gatai. That Which we, I think is just like combination, is what it seems to be. I, I think that what they were saying is like the ninja magic that we used to like summon Muteki Shogun is like isn't able to keep it together with all these attacks. Yeah. So Muteki Shogun doesn't, like, explode or collapse or anything. It literally just, like, blinks out. Like, it yeah. fades, and they drop to the ground, untransformed, in a heap. Yeah. Umibozu is like, now it's time to die. And he's, like, going in for, like, a super slow-motion hit. I'm not actually sure why he's going so slowly. But drop, there... Drop. Yeah. So there is enough time for the Rangers to be, like, grimace-reaching. Like, oh! Oh, everyone! You know, like... They're all, like, reaching towards each other. And in a nice touch... You can are, see, yeah. Are, yeah, the hands that they're reaching in are the hands that are, whole, like, wearing their friendship bracelets. Yeah, that's a good moment. And, like, they're not trying to do anything, right? They're just, like, trying to get to each other to, like, hold each other's hand as this giant monster kills them. Yeah, because, like, this is it. Like, there's no way they're surviving. Right, this. if Mateki Shogun, like, lost, then the fight's over. Just as they take, like, the final reach to grab each other's hand, Umibozu goes in to, like, actually finish the attack. Right. And as he does this, like, that dude explodes! Yeah. And he gets, like, zapped and blown up a bunch of times. And we cut to the sky, and we see where that is coming from. Yeah. And it's, well, it's a Blitzkrieg. A strange white bird. A strange white bird. And it's, like, a giant robo-bird who's with, like, rocket wings... It's yes, like that, shooting. Yeah. Uh, 
I've actually seen a transformer that does this, but basically like the pin feathers at the edge of the wings, like it swings them forward and then there's a rocket and it shoots yeah. the rockets at the guy. If you have seen season three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, this is Tommy's white falcon sword. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. I did not know that that was the case, but yes, that it's a white falcon sword. Yeah. So and, if I at some point refer to it as the white falcon sword, which I may do... Forgive me, the name of this thing actually is... Tsubasamaru. Tsubasamaru. Yeah. And so it's like flying around and it's like shooting rockets at Umibozu and it's like dodging his explosions. It's a great looking like model. Yeah, it's really cool. Like the wings are sort of like not only flapping on like one point of articulation. Yeah, they put in like two or three. Like it's rad. They did a good job. If you were to buy this toy, you would love this toy. Yeah. And so it's like flying around and the rangers are super confused. They're like, what is, what's going on? Who is this? And then Illusion Castle reappears. Yes. Like just fades into existence. And then Muteki Shogun like stands up out of it. Because in case you forget, Muteki Shogun is a giant living castle robot. Yes. And then they look at them like, what is Muteki Shogun doing here? Like, we didn't summon him. Yeah. And then Sandayu shows up yeah. for the first time in, like, 19 or 20 yeah. episodes. Remember Sandayu? I almost didn't. I Like, I had to... I, I was like, who, what's that guy's name again? Who is that guy? And he just shows up, and they're like, San... The Rangers, thankfully, the Rangers are also surprised. And there's this great moment where they all turn to him and they say, Sandayu? And by the way, if you have legitimately forgotten, Sandeyu was the guy who in the first couple of episodes seemed like he was going to be their mentor and then just vanished. Yeah. Um, when they say his name in shock, Sandeyu just like looks like straight into the camera and gives this huge cheesy grin like, oh yeah, I'm back. Oh yeah, you didn't think he was back, but he is. The kid's back. So Sandeyu is just like, Oh, yeah. Uh, Nuteki Shogun and Tsubasamaru are alive, so... Yeah, like, you don't have to summon them. Sometimes they just do they what just they want to do. Yeah. And then he, like, yells up and he's like, Tsubasamaru, Nuteki Shogun, Super Ninja Gatai! And then he's like, it's time to merge! And I thought the merge was actually a little bit boring. Here's the merge. Nuteki Shogun's arms, like, pop off, and then Tsubasamaru's, like, wings join to the side of his chest and then the arms go back on. Okay, but... So, it's Muteki Shogun with, like, rocket launcher wings you, coming out of his chest. What you say this is boring, but what it actually is is a giant living magic ninja castle, but now his torso is made out of guns. <laughs> and if um, you think about it that way, it's actually pretty good. No, I think it's, it's... I think it's pretty good, Dave. It's, it's pretty great. I was just expecting a little more, like... Yeah. mixing and matching yeah, and maybe yeah, there'd yeah. be like a falcon head or something i don't know but yeah it's a giant no, living that. magic castle robot with with rocket chest yeah <laughs> um, and he goes the attack is muteki cannon full discharge and it's just just rockets he it's just, just shoots a, that full to death just so many rockets Umibozu dies uh muteki shogun ghosts subasamaru like flies away there's this great moment after they've killed Umibozu. And, like, all the smoke clears. Muteki, they have uncombined now. Muteki Shogun is just standing there in the mist and then, like, disappears. And Tsubasamaru... Am I... Tsubasamaru. Tsubasamaru is, like, perched on the top of a building. Like, up behind him? Yeah. It's a and good then, like, moment. like, as the sun is shining through and then he, like, flies away. It's so good. It yeah. is choice. And so, Young Double Jr., like, shadow glide, like, animated... He turns into, like, a ball of black animated energy that, like, bounces around and then lands on a building. And he yells down, not to the rangers, to Sandayu. Yeah. And he's like, guess what, Sandayu? Like, you're too late, chump, I think. Yeah, like, it was a good idea for you to bring uh, Tsubasamaru with you. But, like, it's too late. I got this. So he says... You might think that you're the champ, but in fact, you are the chump. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, by um, the way, we didn't mention it in the five stars. We guessed it on an episode of Ranger Danger um, last night. Yeah. It'll be out next week. No, not next week. It will be out, I don't think, next week. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's on um, the Ninja Steel. And they're oh, okay. Sort of uh, as they're coming out. So. No, those dudes are just so on their game as far as like having a bunch of episodes in the can already that we are not. Anytime we're on their show, 
I just assume that you will not be able to hear the episode for like at least a month and a half. Right. But in this case, I think it's actually coming out next week. So keep your eyes on that. We should have made it a star. Hey. Anyway, we... this show now. So uh, the what he says is the ritual is complete. Oh, sorry. The ritual finishes and then on the office building... A giant version of the seal door from early episodes just appears. And he says, yeah, in less than a month, Daimau is going to come out of that door. He's going to kill every man, woman, child, animal, and plant on Earth and create a yokai paradise. It's going to be pretty bad. Young Noble Jr., out! And then he just disappears. Uh, we cut to the, uh, the narrator who says that this is a very serious deal. Um, but then the narrator... He's not wrong. The narrator's like, listen, do you people watching this show right now remember what the deal is with the seal door? Because I think that the people making the show realize that they had spent the last 22 episodes ignoring the thing that had happened in the first episode. Yeah, I did appreciate that they were like, do you guys need a, you need a quick refresher? It's been a minute. And so they give us a flashback to the very first episode talking about like, okay... Generations ago, while the yokai were sealed behind the seal door, Sasuke and Saizo accidentally let them out because sometimes the big dummies, and that's what we're doing. So that seal door is now here. It's the same thing. It's a problem. Oh, by the way, in this scene, the narrator has like a bandage on his head. Oh, yeah. Because like rubble had been falling on him earlier. I forgot about that. So then that's it. Like it's kind of a cliffhanger yeah. episode. This episode is great. Dave. No, this is really solid, man. Like, we've got a whole new robot. We've got a new combination of robots. What I am hoping is that... So we know eventually... Because like, if you watch any of, like, the most recent Sentai or Power Rangers series, like, those Zords have, like, a gajillion combinations. Yeah. And so what I think we're... What I'm hoping maybe that we'll see is kind of, like, the beginning of that... With, like, a bunch of Zords sort of, like, trading in and out. Yeah. And, like, maybe Subasamaru. And then there'll be, like, a different... I mean, who knows? But, yeah, man. Anytime there's more giant robots, I'm yeah. pretty much... I love it. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. What's, what was interesting is that we watched all the way through the end credits and into the preview of next week's episode. And in the preview of next week's episode, it says that that one, like, next week is the final episode of part one of Copy Ranger. That's right. I forgot about that. Which is like a whole crazy thing to say. Which is a weird thing to say, but, like it, but it definitely feels true, right? It really feels like we've gotten through like the Freak of the Week episodes. And now we've we are... set everything up. Young Noble Jr. has been in place for a good while now. And like things are in motion to get Young Noble Sr. back. Yeah. Um, I know that's not what they're calling him. I, I desperately want to keep calling him that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, because Young Noble Senior is a lot easier to pronounce for me. Than Daimau. So, where Matt on the Creature Royale does Umibozu fit? Okay, so Umibozu is kind of tough. Because if you're going to ask me where he is on like the coolness factor, he's not that cool. He's not. Right? Like, he doesn't look that great. Yeah, he doesn't have, like, an awesome look, but the fact that he is the catalyst for this, like, whole new big thing right. is pretty cool. Plus, like, you know, he's very strong. He's super effective. He yeah. is the first person to, I mean, I guess the gas, uh, Enra, Enra. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. dodged the fire sword. Yeah, but he did ultimately go down to it. Right, this is the first guy to ever, ever beat Mateki Shogun. Yeah, so God, that itself that. puts him pretty high. Okay, so is he cooler than the Shooting Doji Brothers? Um, I'll tell you what the Shooting Doji Brothers didn't do. They didn't, like, get turn a bunch of kids into stone and have those stone kids turn a building into a giant skull concert oh, venue. That is true. Okay, is he... Here's the big one. Here's the big one. Is he cooler than Iron Mask Choryu? Or is the episode, like, is his whole gym jam, like, the whole thing that he does and puts together, does that beat out Iron Mask Choryu? Mmm. Mmm. What do you think? Dude, okay. Iron Mask Choryu is Chinese Sentai Darth Vader. Right, he is a league's cooler. 
he is the cooler. This dude. But he does not generate a giant skull concert venue on top of a building. No, he doesn't. Although, if we're going to be fair, really. That really that was, is more of a young Noble Jr. Okay, yeah. so no. He's not cooler than Iron Mask Choryu. He is cooler than the Shooting Doji Brothers. Is he cooler than Saragami the Ninja Monkey from last week? He's not as fun. He's not as fun. Nah, he's just not. He's not as cool. He's not as fun. So but yeah, let's let's put him right in between the Shooting Doji Brothers and... Uh, Whatever that ninja monkey's name was. Saragami. Saragami. And he goes on the list at number... 18. 18. So that's it for us, man. Yep, that is going to do it for another episode of A View to a Cocker Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you, you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Bros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to all the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, find them at retrogradeorbitradio.com. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we will see you next week. For the The greatest greatest show on Earth. earth.